ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, to Set the Table, episode 25, which is our very special one-year anniversary episode. I am John, and with me for a year now has been Jack, and is Jack. How's it going, eh? And uh, we are here with a a one-year spectacular. Um... It's uh, it's going to be a, a bit of a reflection, a bit of a look back over the past year. Um, it's really cool. I don't know. Thanks for doing this with me for a whole year. Yes, it's been my pleasure. And and just so the listeners know, this isn't a clip show. This isn't some like, oh, we're going to record seven minutes of new content and then just play crap over and over that we've already done. So this, this is actually all new content. It's so, just we're going to talk about the content that we've already talked about. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good Good clarity there. Um, Not a clip I, I don't know. A clip shows always bug me. Why? Right? It's like, oh, cool. Well, it's like this is a new episode, and then it's not a new episode. It's all crap I've already seen before. It would be okay if you did that with, like, commentary, but... Yeah, actually... um. What did I just watch that did that really well? The Good Place on Netflix. I have not heard of it. It's um, it, it's a, it, I don't know, I don't know if you'd like it or not. It's um, a, people die, and they go to the afterlife, um, and they're in the good place. So they have to, they have to come to terms with being dead and being, um, being in their afterlife and different things happen and it's just but towards the end of the series they do kind of a it's kind of a clip show so some of the con some of the scenes are the same but they're from different people's perspective which is which is cool yeah that can be done well but no we're not doing that um we're just gonna no we're not doing that either um we haven't have we played 7C since the last show, though? Um, I don't you guys had I don't kidnapped think Valentina when you were on your way back to the vampire countess uh, to trade Valentina for Rosa. Yep, and we've, uh, we haven't played for a couple weeks, but we're looking forward no. to the... Because we don't have much... No, this is left, the... Right? It could very well be the conclusion the next time we play, oh, and that man. will be the end of my three... Uh, module arc cliff hung on the conclusion well all right that'll be cool uh more news coming about that next year um my party in 5e is uh one and a half quarters of the way through a dungeon um and people people seem to be enjoying yeah there you go um (laughs) (laughs) uh i I do a lot of homebrew, and this is definitely an episode that we'll have to do um, in season two, year two, whatever we decide to call it. Um, are we doing years or seasons? We should probably just decide huh? that now. Um, I think I like seasons better than years because okay, years turns it into something. You know, you have to do this every year. But with seasons, we could do we could break it up depending on show format and that kind of stuff so i vote okay. for season sure so a, a season two topic will be balancing homebrew items 
because um, I've had a little contention around some of my homebrew lately. Uh, and uh, yeah, my kind of so to summarize my thoughts on that, basically, uh, I have had I've introduced lots of very cool homebrew magical items that break certain rules as written. And I, oh, excuse me. Huh. It is too early to be yawning. Um, I have introduced these items that break certain rules, and I had to, to nerf the items, basically. Um, and I've had some players disappointed in the nerfs, uh, which is a bummer, because, you know, the item is on top of stuff that they would you know, not already have anyway. So, you know, it's cool mm -hmm. to have the item in the first place. Whether it gives you a plus five or a plus two, it's still good, you know, because uh, normally you'd have a minus whatever. So a um, little bit of that kind of shenaniganry, but otherwise it's pretty good. I'm excited for them to get through the rest of the uh, the dungeon. What about you? Are you still playing in a 5e game because we we know that dolrea ended yeah so my five my 5e group now has shifted over to seventh c second edition oh right right uh, we talked about this last show a little bit yep and they um they are playing through my module that is being submitted to the explorers society uh the painter and the pirate uh and they finished they finished the adventure on monday oh good uh they um, the the villain got his hand cut off. So Paolo Infantrici is one of the villains. Spoilers. Yeah, well, spoilers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, one one villain got his hand cut off. Um, they were terrified of the uh, Sorte Strega, who's related to the villain, um, and she uh, made a that deal with witch. them. <laughs> yes, Sorte Strega is a fate witch. Uh, so they, the party made a deal with the very powerful fate, which was the the wife of the governor of the island, and uh, they are off on the second adventure. It was a unanimous vote that they all wanted to play the second adventure in the group. Nice. It is a really compelling story. You you hook us. You hook players very well in that first chapter. Episode? It, yes, it, chapter episode. What do you what do you call module? Those? I keep calling it a module. So in that in the first module, um, all right. Yes, the the NPC that I want the party to help has been sympathetic and uh, um and connected with both groups. Mm -hmm. Um, both groups. There's an NPC who's kind of uh very uptight, goody two shoes, and both groups did not connect well with that character at all, which is, which is perfectly okay. Right. Um, uh, but they, they had similar reactions to, uh, in fact, a couple of them were thrown off the ship uh, in per perpetuity. They basically, uh, the NPC was like, you and you, you can never sail on my ship again. Nice. Your, your behavior is outside my, <laughs> my uptight goody two-shoe rules. Um, both parties uh, attacked the minor villain first, which was really good. So um, without a lot of rails, both parties arrived at the 
this person is bad and they work for that person, that person might be bad. Nice. Um, Very good. Uh, the, there's a wedding dramatic sequence, and both groups hit that. Um, the my, this my Monday night group busted up the reception in a, in a pretty bad way. In fact, uh, the villain whipped out a dagger and was going to kill um, the sympathetic NPC, and one of the heroes decided they weren't really going to do a lot of dancing. They were going to climb up into the crow's nest of the ship with a couple of muskets and just keep an eye on things. <laughs> nice. Um, and with four successes, they shot the knife out of midair um, after it was cast oh, at the intended like target. So everyone knew this person is trying, that, that, this villain is trying to kill this sympathetic NPC and that hero saved the day. Um, so it was really good. It was, it was a very good um, the, the end of the story was good. It was a little bit more violent than your guys' end <laughs> of the story. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was fabulous. They it was it was really good. And 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 what was nice is that it was an enjoyable module for both groups. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like both groups had fun. Both groups developed uh, a, a story out of the the module. Seventh C modules are a little bit different than five E because you know the, at any time the players can change the narrative. Right. Um, so so you can't say you know go to this go to one on the map and do this thing, then go to two on the map and do that thing, then go to three on the map and do this other thing. It's a little bit more chaotic than that. But no, it was very good. Awesome. A couple of folks are re-rolling characters because they didn't really connect with the pre. I did pre-gens for this group because they are seventh uh, C newbies. Well, so are we. Well, yes, yeah, but the the they didn't really want to go through character generation. They just wanted to have some choices. So I gave them, I gave Fair them enough. some choices. Some of those choices are going to wind up as pre gens in the module at the at the end in an appendix for folks. If if you would like to take uh, Yosef or Hamish as pre gens, you are more than welcome to. Yeah, I I don't know if they fit really well. They don't, but. They make interesting characters. No, I but my my, my pregens are are much more like they have reasons to go to an art school. Well, like I, that's fine. I have a Castilian alchemist who is looking to learn how to mix paints better. Um, I have a Vestenmeyer merchant who is looking to trade in artworks. Like they're they're all NPC. They're all player characters who are, are more closely associated with the story. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. I just think that would be easier for a new GM or someone new to Seventh C to plug those. Like, hey, today you're playing, you know. Definitely, yeah. The the sort of like the oh. optional backstory thing is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and they have they don't have huge backstories, but they have a little paragraph that nice. gives you a little idea of why those people are there, kind of thing. Very cool. So, um. Our our last episode this year was uh, deific involvement and divine intervention, uh, and when we were talking about that, we kind of came to the realization that it was one of the things that might be a session zero topic, but might also be better to feel out during play to try to find out if it was worth talking to your players about, since if you don't build a world around divine intervention, then you know maybe 
gods and religion just never come up in your world. Um, yeah, you know. If you don't have a cleric in the party, like who cares? Right. It might not be a thing. Uh, and that right. was sort of the first thing that we talked about that didn't really have a session zero application. Um, all of the other topics that we covered are things that you could talk about in session zero. Uh, so we thought for for this episode, we would sort of look back on those things um, and sort of draft, if you will, uh, sort of a session zero checklist of things that you want to talk about in session zero, uh, which episodes you could go back to find them and give quick little blurbs about them. Um, our first couple episodes, I don't know if you remember those, uh, episodes one, two, and three all had sound issues with them. Um, and honestly, we probably should have just re-recorded the first episode, but uh, that's kind of what we're doing now. So uh, if you want a longer look at any of these things, because we're going to be going pretty quick because we do have 24 to get through, um, go back and listen to the corresponding episode. Otherwise, stay tuned for all the things that you may, well, most of the things that you should or probably could talk about in session zero. Uh, so episode one was, so you're a new DM or GM, and we covered uh, a couple really quick little uh, things in that first episode. Um, most notably are your hard and soft rules uh, that you want to set as the DM or the GM. Uh, you're running a game for a collection of human beings. Those human beings have feelings and histories and pasts and all of that. And even though the game world is just a game world, uh, you're role-playing your way through it, and things can feel, if you're doing a really good job, things feel real and immersive, and you want people to be safe and feel comfortable participating however they feel best that they should. So, um... Jack, you're jotting it down. Do you want to speak to it? Sure. So, I mean, the first thing is boundaries, right? So, um, if you're role playing, and and you're, I'm gonna, I'm gonna immediately throw the system card. Um, no, that's that's because this is we could say this that is going first. to be different for different types of games, right? If I'm playing five E, then I'm uh, I'm role playing a high fantasy character, and my I'm not going to be in situations where I might have to murder a family member, or I might have to murder a child. Mm -hmm. um, right? You you I, I uh, yeah I, I can't see I, I shouldn't say I, I don't play no I don't I don't play with sexual violence in five E games. Right. Me neither. Um, now, having said that, I will play role-play games that include sexual violence in World of Darkness Vampire. Sure, at tables sure, that tables, approve that. At tables where that is appropriate. Um, so, so that's that's a that's a boundary you should set. And and sure, I, I guess the the thing here is don't assume. Yep. Um, uh, religion, 
do you, if you're role playing uh, a game, do you want to include lots of religion? Do you want to have religious holidays and that kind of stuff? Sure. We're skipping a little bit. So, so your session zero stuff is so far. Well, that's boundaries. So, so. Yeah, so we're we've introduced boundaries, right? So you want to find out to what do you allow sexual violence? Yes, no, right. or is there some degree that you want to talk about what is or isn't allowed at your group, per right. the system that you're playing, um, per the system that you're playing, and then and then violence in general. Yep. Um, and then violence against children. Sure. Uh, um, violence against family members, like hey, you know. Hey, welcome, welcome to this town. This is my uncle. Well, I don't like your uncle. I put a sword through his head. Well, oh, wait a minute. Um, so yeah, so so that's and that's that's in character and out of character, right? Oh, some no. tables. <laughs> no, <laughs> violence out of character is not allowed. Right. Well, yes, I I would not allow players to hit each other, uh, but I guess when I, I'm saying boundaries out of character, like what what are what's your tolerance for use of telephones at the table oh sure right? yep um phones what's your tolerance for politics at the table or religion you know, what what's okay what's not okay out of character cursing you know hey look at this meme on facebook it's like dude put your effing phone away hey you're not supposed to curse right like <laughs> yep i'm breaking up my boundaries um but you you want to you want to set that up so everyone at the table is is aware of what is okay and what is not okay. And then I, I like I said, don't make assumptions. Okay, I I do this all the time, and I'm really bad at it. But I sit down at a table with when I was playing Call of Cthulhu. I sat down at a table with a collection of fifty year old men. I'm a fifty year old white male. Um, and I sat at a table with 50 year old white males and we didn't really, we kind of skipped through session zero. I mean, we, we all have a history with each other and stuff, but there were a couple things that happened. And after it was like, well, that was really cool, but I usually don't let that happen at my table. And I was like, Oh gosh, I'm, you know, Dan, I'm really sorry. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. It didn't go in the direction I thought it was going to go, but I was a little nervous and, and so it's like, wow, we really should have talked about that before we started. And and we were all and we all kind of came to the realization that like, you know, yes, we've been in this club for three years playing um, Arkham Horror and Eldritch Horror and all sorts of great board games, but role play games are a little bit different. So definitely, yeah, um, just make sure you set your boundaries. You 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 don't just skip over things and like, oh yeah, we all go to the same school, so we all assume this blah. It's like for sure. Eh. <laughs> All right. Um, so what else? Do we here? So so next we've got the what you what what sort of your DM tolerance is for table talk. So sort of yes. the either oh, if, yes. you know if you say it you did it or do you allow table talk? Um, newer DMs are encouraged to allow a degree of table talk so that people feel comfortable asking questions and and clarity around rules and finding out what they can and can't do like. A new DM is going to have to tolerate a lot of table talk, or an experienced DM with new players will have to sort of work on that 
throughout their their play but that's that, sort of expected to a degree but if you want it's also system specific too right so dcc sometimes. is very clear dcc and mcc are very clear you say it you do it yeah um, but you don't have to play that way like you don't have to play that way and then the other thing i put on there are timers oh i don't um, that, that doesn't feel well so i oh, have I... done i have done a timer once before for a spell that was going to expire and i was like yeah. all right you guys have two minutes figure it out and i hit i, I did have a timer i think timers so I, are I, good so i i time i don't know the timers are a session zero topic but oh no i i think you should if you're if you're planning on using them you should not spring that on people three if sessions it, in if it's gonna be a regular thing then yeah but if you, i don't know i i've used one in two years so it definitely wasn't on my radar i i used them a bunch during the seventh c campaign with my monday night group because oh, yep. they're very used to playing 5e they're planners right? and they're planners and they're, they're planners they're tacticians and you know i'm third in the initiative so I can watch what everybody's doing and I can start measuring distances and think about that. And with 7th C, it's like, what's your approach? Uh, aim and finesse. Okay, roll your dice. Boom. You have four successes. What do you want to do? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, well, right. you can hold them and let someone other else act or else I'm going to set a timer and you can figure something out. <laughs> right. No, that that's a good idea. And... But I let them know in session zero mm -hmm. that that's how I like to run seven C. Like I don't do this, you know. Hey, we're in this, we're in a three minute combat, and it's going to take us an hour and a half to play. It's like no, we're in a three minute combat. You've told me your approach. You've rolled your dice. What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Right. Which and that's that's a difference between the systems. But I, I let them know in session zero that I. I'm not going to let people do this long drawn out. Well, if you do this and I do this, then right. If you, if no, you punch that guy, do it, especially for seven C. Right. And because all that stuff happens simultaneously, like all these things, these are all happening at the same time, folks. So mm -hmm. what are you doing? Um, but, yep. but if you're going to do that to players, let them know in session zero. Um, Next is uh, rules as written, otherwise known as raw, R-A-W, rules as written, versus home homebrew or home rules. Um, definitely clarify this. Uh, I mentioned that this was something I was running into now. Um, and I, I have a, a slightly deeper problem, but that, again, is going to be a, an, a, another topic for next year will be uh, players joining and leaving. Um, yep. I think we we might I don't know if we have that on the list already, but that'll be a thing because I, I had lots of that. Well, some of that characters coming and going, um, and I didn't always have session zeros or zero point ones when I brought and left people in or out of the group. So um, definitely raw versus homebrew. Um, I encourage allowing some degree of homebrew. Don't commit yourself to raw because you're going to bum yourself out when you have a really cool idea. But definitely make sure that your group is okay with you bending rules sometimes a little bit. Um, and we talked about that a little bit. This, I mean, this one should be way, way higher up on the list, but trust uh, trust is the biggest thing. Um, and 
if you have a group that trusts you, you can do homebrew and and rely on the connection between the players and the DM to uh, have that be fair and balanced and equitable. Um, next is uh, PvP, player versus player. Um, you're going to say that this is system dependent because it really, really, really is. Uh, if you're oh, playing, it totally is. If yeah. you're playing 5e or another mainstream game uh, as a new DM, you probably want to not allow this at all. Um, just like play, players can't even lie to each other. Like uh, that that's it, it is really limiting, but it eliminates the need for you to have to judge those situations. That being said, it is really easy mechanically to do PvP at least a little bit, right? Um, mm-hmm. If you're trying to make a deception check against somebody or you want to say you want to whisper something to another character, um, but you don't want the third character to hear it. Uh, it's pretty easy just to do contested roles for that. And as a DM, it's it's a nice little exercise. Um, it's a good thing um, to get yourself in the habit of doing because you just have to declare what it is, but you don't have to roll the dice for it, where other times as monsters you'll have to roll for that. So it's cool to be able to see it and learn from that. It's a good experience. Anyway, um, just do a contested roll. And the outcome it's, is whoever wins. Yeah, but in some systems, you're going to run into it. It's going to be part of the game. Yes. and right. So I'm looking at paranoia. Maybe um, don't start with those systems. Well, it depends on what you're after, right? If, if, you're, if you're comfortable with that and you're, you're, you, you trust the people you're playing with, then sure. you can jump right sure, into sure. a paranoia game and have a blast. That's true. Um, but paranoia... Alien, if you play the new Alien free, from Free League, um, there's a whole agenda. Fun. Each player has an agenda, and you have a nemesis and a and a friend, and and so you're you know you're not actively trying to kill your nemesis, but you know if there's only four seats in the uh, spaceship and there's five of you, you're gonna vote your nemesis out first, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's but just make sure. Again, that's something, if you lay that out in session zero, the player who wants to play the rogue who's stealing other players' money, right? It's like, that's not the kind of character you can play this this game. Yep. Because um, yeah, we've yeah, all agreed yeah. we're not going to do that mm-hmm. as out of character so that your in-character players, your, in, your in-character people function correctly. Yep. Um, uh, religion you mentioned as part of boundaries. Um, these are all session. These are all episode one. These are all things that we sort of talked about on episode one. Um, Yep. How how much do you want? Hey, I'm playing a chaotic evil drow. Oh, sweet. Is Loth gonna be you know watching what you're doing? It's like, eh, I'm level one. Loth's got better things to do. Um. But maybe not. Maybe I'm playing um, a cleric of Moradin, and I want a deeper connection with my deity. And that is also system specific, right? Because if I'm if I'm a wizard in DCC, I have a patron. I have a patron bond spell that causes my patron to take some action on my sure. behalf. So um, different different rules 
tools for different systems, but just right. make sure you get that stuff out of the out of the way. Um, what do you have next? Phones. Yep. Yeah, you mentioned real quick phones. I think most people are probably playing uh, virtually at the moment, um, mm -hmm. but <clears throat> when you do get back in in coots with people, you know, decide if you want people to be on their phones or not. Um, we covered all this in boundaries, so politics, religion, either real world or uh, fictional. Um, I have both in my fantasy world, and I don't want to hear about anything in the real world while I'm playing D and D. So, um, I have that same like I'm playing a fantasy game to escape reality. Like I don't care about what's happening in the real world. Uh, yeah, right, right. I'm trying to get away. And um, and that actually, I've struggled with that because um, I don't think I've spoken about this before, but there was a big kerfuffle with the new vampire game because they, the author, the, the World of Darkness people had written in some um, real world, like in, the, in Chechnya, uh, which is a Russian a place under control by the Russian Federation. Um, there's a lot of um, LBGTQ people are being jailed and tortured and executed in the real world. Um, mm -hmm. And they wrote about that being um, caused by evil vampires. And huh. a lot of folks were like, nope, not buying your game. You're not supporting the LGBTQ community. And it's like, I, mm, I really struggled with that. And, and I don't know if I really have a, a firm opinion on it. I just didn't like that. It's like, no, this is a game. Like, keep things separate. Like, part of me was like, I wish they hadn't written that. And of course, I'm saying that as someone who wrote that the Vermont eugenics program in the 1930s was run by vampires trying to exterminate werewolves. Um, that's in my homebrew World of Darkness uh, history. So I don't know. I'm I'm struggling with that. Yeah, no, I mean, there are a ton of obscure role-play games, right? There's, and I, I again, I'm kind of glancing over at my shelf to see some of, like, Mouse Guard came, yeah, like, like the um, the Pugmire games, Pugmire or Marnikies of Mao. Um, hey, folks, John here. I learned that I got cut out during a section of this, had some technical issues regarding my mic, uh, so for the next five to six minutes, it's just Jack talking. I have trimmed and cut it so that we get the best of what he has to say without the long gaps where I'm talking in the middle, and then hopefully will rejoin me later on. Um, sorry for the quick interruption, and back to the show. Alien. Paranoia is uh, sci-fi black humor. Um, there's Blue Rose, which is uh, fantasy romance. Yep. Um, there's Weird West. There's Call of Cthulhu for horror. Like we don't, I, I see in the notes when you don't have horror listed, but horror is a huge genre. Uh, yes. Yep. Sure. But I, I will stand by what I said in episode two that even if you love 5e by 
or find or borrow a, a core rule book from a different genre. Like get get Traveler from Mongoose Publishing, um, pick up New Monera, get the Edge of the Empire. Yes, yep, Vampire. So yeah, we'll get there. But that's I, I stand what I said in episode two was just try try something else just to see what it's like. Like if you enjoy VT, if you enjoy AD and D or five E, just you know grab the mouse guard rulebook or grab the vampire rulebook, even the quick starts, the free quick starts, and just look at what what other systems have to offer. You may not like it. But but it's once you start playing role play games, like the 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 world is broad and beautiful and rich and deep. So don't stay on the five E island. Explore a little bit. Uh, if we recap every single episode, we're going to be here till midnight. Um, communication is key. And you can usually, the, they fit into some fairly regular categories, right? The, the metagamer who's going to min-max, metagamer, min-maxer, right? That's the person that's going through the player's handbook with a calculator and going, if I take this ability and this thing and this thing, um, right? I, as a warlock, I can cast Chaos Bolt 400 times a day at quadruple damage, but... Um, you know, I, I am all thumbs and no one, I, you know, I've never talked to a girl and I can't negotiate anything. Okay, cool. You know, everybody else in the party can like, just, you know, wheel me around in a wheelbarrow, point me at the bad guy and I'll just chaos bolt them. There aren't problem characters. Hey, my favorite. No, that was, that was, that was my episode because I love operating out of modules. I think they're fabulous. Yeah, they're, they're fabulous examples of, of that for lots of different systems, right? So even if you want to homebrew, I would recommend that depending on your disposable income, you pick, there's a couple of things I would pick up, right? Um, if money's not an issue, I would pick up the uh, two volume encyclopedia for Glorantha and see kind of the Cadillac, um, the, the absolute of homebrew um this is it's greg stafford's work um if if you don't have more money than brains then there's some adventure paths in the pathfinder realm that you can pick up for 12 bucks you can usually get them in the used book section uh for six to eight dollars uh and and they're also very good they show you as a new dmgm kind of the flow how how to set up a, a a meeting group how to set up a hook like what what makes an npc rememberable and what makes an npc sympathetic that i really want to help this this poor old guy he's really drunk and really sad and i want to help him right um because you know we see poor sad drunk people all the time and we don't rush out to help them um especially in a high fantasy or low, especially in a low urban fantasy setting, there are sad people all over Lankmar and we might not help all of them. Definitely. Uh, 
but the module gives you kind of that format as, as to see kind of this is what this adventure is all about it's especially for a new gm it gives you um it's like hey this is how it's done and now once i've done one of these i can go off and start creating my own world and yeah. i think that's where we talked about uh right adventure modules that don't suck by goodman games yep fabulous book um it's it's a collection of essays and advice from some of the most module most successful module authors in the industry so you've got a really good thing in the notes for uh that episode with how to pick a module um the you, you have a schedule so how regularly can you meet how much time do you have what interest level does everyone have uh, in a narrative, or do you want it to be more game-based? What goals do you have? Do people want personal development or hack and slash, murder hobo? Do you want to play the same character for a long time or a short time? And what sort of story or theme are you looking for? Um, and yeah. I feel like that's a pretty good summary. We also mentioned drivethroughrpg.com as being uh, a good place to find modules and other source books splat books what have you for free um, yes and very soon drivethroughrpg.com will have a module written by me yes stay tuned for, for that sale. stay tuned for that uh episode five was homebrewing and world building um and that's your baby yeah <laughs> i it's i have spent eight years building a, a universe that i am still building uh it's a gargantuan task um We'll definitely have more homebrewing episodes in the future, but that's definitely a good one to go back and listen to if you want to get started homebrewing. Uh, episode 6 was a deep dive into D&D 5th edition. Um, if you want to know more about what we think about 5e, go check that one out. We talk about 5e a lot. Um, that's what we talk I about play. 5e too much. Well, that's you what say a lot too of people much, know. but that's, that's I... half of what we play, right? So it's well, Yeah, well, not me anymore. Well, I'm playing. No, I'm no, but like we, we, the hosts of the show, like the guys on Core, were talking about how none of them were getting PS5s for for a while. So for the next several months, all of their content's going to be n not nothing Sony, and that's okay. Right. So our content's going to be 5e and whatever you're playing, and that's okay. Right. Um, it's okay, but like <laughs> it's I, okay. I, it's okay. It's okay. It's just 5e is. It's fine. Ivy is getting too mainstream for for me. It and, is, and nice, and that's that's okay. It's I the, just have to. It's I, the I chocolate chip cookie. Okay. Everyone loves them, but it's nothing special. Nothing special. Yeah. Uh, episode seven was alignment. Um, Woohoo! I love the alignment. It was good. Uh, that was, we, that we was mentioned a lot of fun. Problem players, and I, I was talking a little bit about good and evil characters. So alignments, where you can go to learn more about good versus evil characters um the the takeaway for new dms is probably just don't allow evil characters your first playthrough unless you've got a really experienced player at your table who knows how to do that and not be disruptive um chaotic evil versus chaotic stupid yep that's another big big dm takeaway just because somebody's evil doesn't mean they're gonna just murder anyone in the middle of town because they they know better. <laughs> well, there are consequences, and I might not care about the person that I'm talking to. Hey, this merchant, 
give me a good deal or I'll cut your throat. Oh, ha, 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 ha. Right. Right. Well, if yeah. I cut this merchant's throat, it's going to be wildly inconvenient to me because the guards are going to come and I might have to fight two or three guards and then I'm going to have to leave town. And all right, merchant, you live. You, I'm going to let you live now. But if I see you in the street at night, that's a different story. Mm. Um, consequences. That that was a really good thing that came out of uh, alignment as well. Yes. Yeah. Because um, evil, evil isn't bad. Evil isn't bad. And nor is it stupid, but it has to mean something. So, right. Um, yeah. Where are we at? Episode nine. Uh, nope. Episode eight. Uh, player types eight. part two. Part, um, part two. Yeah. So we talked more about uh, other. So we we did the problem players episode, but we had introduced a couple of. We had said some things in that episode, like chaotic, stupid, or. Um, wallflower rules lawyers method actors and we we need yeah, so, to talk so, about those things so this right. episode those, was the recap for those other player types that are not problem players but are more archetypes right and that's for a dm it's important to see who are your method actors right i'm a method actor um primarily so not a problem it can be a problem if you if you are alpha gaming and and uh uh, method actor but if you're just a uh, kind of a comfortable method actor who's having a good time that's not a problem player but it's a player type right and it's a good a great gm will play to his players archetypes so if i know i have two or three tacticians i'm going to give them really crunchy combat with weapons ranges and and that kind of stuff where if i have a bunch of method actors i'm going to give them dramatic sequences where they can play their characters and and talk in character and have a good time so that's that's the difference between like if you're looking at this list and you go oh what's there between a problem player and a player type that's the difference problem players cause trouble player types you want to identify so you can give them what they need to really enjoy the game. I just jotted down an idea for a year two topic, dealing with very varied player types. Oh, gosh. Because you were just yeah, talking about your alpha gamer method actor and your tactician and how you'd want to give your tacticians more of the 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 tactical combat encounter based and you'd want to give your alpha gamer method actor a little bit more uh rp time but don't let them be a spotlight like i'm just i've dealt with all of that this past year so yeah um we should definitely ref i want to reflect on that more oh, okay uh character death was our episode nine um yeah the dm tip for character death is that even though it is a fictional character people still need to mourn and grieve and somebody who takes the character death seriously is somebody who you should treat with respect and compassion. And that is very system specific because if you are playing paranoia, you should laugh and make hand gestures and pick on whichever clone just died because they probably died in a spectacularly funny way. And this is a session zero topic because you probably want to ask your players ahead of time, hey, do you want to play this character for a long time and commit to it? Or do you want, uh, 
Oh, excuse me. Or do you want to uh, play a game where you play as clones and you're supposed to die in goofy, wacky, Nickelodeon-style ways? <laughs> right. Um, definitely. It's like that definitely terrible new game for the PlayStation that I hate. Which one? Fall Guys. It's like, oh yeah, oh. I'm gonna fall down and fall off and get bumped and get. It's like Mar- over. it's like Mario Party, but less good. I know. I just I don't have the reflexes anymore to play games like that it's not it's not right but you don't have to win i don't know it is it's crowded right it feels it's yes it feels a little i would much rather jump into smite and and beat people up yeah it's it's a different totally it's a different genre yeah Yeah. totally different genre i know anyway all right so moving on uh our episode 10 episode was was our first guest uh yeah my friend thornton um Definitely listen to that one. Like, if I had to pick out episodes, like, specific episodes to listen to from this year, uh, it would definitely be the two guest episodes. Um, we talked to Thornton because he had just started. We So at the point where we were at there, I had been running um, my game for almost a year, and... We had started to have some people wanting to cycle out, play different characters, take some breaks. It's a long time to be playing game. So um, during the times where we would be missing somebody, Thornton would run an off game for us. And so we brought him on because he had just, this was his first time DMing. Um, and he didn't didn't ask for a whole lot of help and he's read all the stuff, so he doesn't really need it. Uh, and so we just took a, a moment with him to reflect on that. Um, I am a, a chronic DM. I would rather play, you know, nine times out of ten. I said that back in that episode. Um, so it's it, it was good for me to be on the other side of that and to learn how to be a better DM from somebody who was just learning how to be a DM full stop. Um and it was good, I think, for him to, you know, ask some questions of you, our exper- our resident experienced DM. Um, That's a very kind way to say old guy. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's, I don't know, that was a really good episode. It was really cool. I like the guests, and I hope to do some more of that um, in this next year. I might bring on one of my, I had this idea, right, and I'm going to field it to you now. And in case anybody feels like commenting, stay tuned to the end when we give some contact ways to, to contact us. But um, we do the show every other week. So on the weeks between the shows, I could get somebody from my group to come on who's heard the show to talk about whatever our topic was. Because there were a couple of topics in year one, right, right near the end especially, um, where we were talking about like evil characters or the five minute work day or divine intervention, especially where I could just see a couple of my players having stuff to say about that. And they'd be shorter episodes, but I think that would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about that. You wouldn't have to be, I get, I could do those alone if you wanted. I don't know. I'm not busy Thursday night. So yeah, I might try to be more flexible with it for the guests, but anyway, um, I, I am a big fan of doing that. And then we touched about fudging <clears throat> roles. Yeah, kind of a tricky kind of a tricky topic. Um, as a new DM, 
you cannot the easiest thing to do is to not do it um the the best thing to do is to to do it and have nobody really realize it because you're only doing it to progress the story and to help the players um you, you like a safe cracker or a guy who burns down a bar for the insurance money yeah when you've done like the exactly the quote from futurama when you've done everything right people won't be sure you've done anything at all and fudging rolls we only talked about it because it came up in an earlier episode and i i really felt the need to clarify because you shouldn't be just like oh the troll hits you it got a 20 um you should be using fudges to help the players um and to help progress the story that you've written so you know if you really need your players to get through a particular door or uh, a fight's gone on or the monster's gonna have like two hit points left and you just don't want to have to roll all the many more dice um there are a couple of times where fudging is okay and that is a, a good time that's a good episode to go back if you want more about that but um very sparingly and almost always in favor of players. Yep. Uh, episode 12, we had uh, our first listener question. Um, later, one of our guests. Uh, but the question was, what do you look for in a perfect PC? And what has influenced that and changed that over the years? Um, and you had a, a lot of really good stuff to say. That's definitely a Jack-heavy episode, but it's really good. It is, yeah. Um, so that, that was episode 12. And outcomes for bad rolls. So we brought it up earlier a little bit, um, but basically um, adding creative uh, descriptions or roleplay to poor rolls to enable... Uh, either behaviors or decision-making or story. Um, so we, we talked about that because you had the example of somebody uh, rolling bad on a stealth check and, and tripping over a nail in the floorboard. Right, ca catching their foot on a nail in the, in the floorboard and going, ow! Yep, that was right, your... Saying something out loud. You're punishing. Um, we talked yeah. a little bit about punishment that episode as well. Yeah, yeah but that's... And, and that's that's the difference between a good GM and a truly great GM is, uh, you know, Oh yeah. You failed your deception check. And, and that's, that's a good GM, right? You failed your deception check. Yeah. Um, you, you roll. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, hey, nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I, I am encouraging people to do that, to say that. I know. But I just wanted to clarify next... too, because I, I said it a little bit sour. Nothing wrong with yeah. that. That's totally okay. Nothing wrong with that. So, but that, that next level is you, you know, you look at the dice and then you look at the player and you go, so the guard nods at, at you, but doesn't move. Right. You've conveyed the same information. Right, mm -hmm. the 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 deception did not it did not work. He's not letting you. Hit. I have an invitation to this party. I I left it in my other chainmail. Sure, you did. The, the the guard shaking his head, going, "Then go home and get your other chainmail. I'm not letting you in." Yep. Right. That's a that it's a it's just a different style. Um, or the guard says yes, but but oh. 
what color was your invitation? Oh, it was green. Oh, you had the green invitation? Please come with me. And the guard leads you down a couple of hallways and then opens the door, shoves you out, and you're, you know, in the stables. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? see, that's, um, there you go. That's the great DM. Right, that's the great DM. And it's like, you didn't get into the party. You're in a different part of the castle that's totally unproductive for the, the narrative that you're, you're pursuing. Um, and it's and, hilarious. And, <laughs> and, it, and it's fun. And it's fun, right? Yeah. Um, versus just saying, uh, you failed your, you failed your, your check and the guard says no. Right. Perfectly okay. Right. I'm not telling you that that's your, I'm not saying you're a bad DM if you do that. And I'm just saying that there's, that there's a, that's good, but you can do better. You should be Everyone cautioned. Can Everyone can grow and do better. Absolutely. You should also be cautioned not to over-explain things. Um, you want, and this is, I don't know, this one's really tricky. Uh, we talk about this on uh, the improv skills episode uh, 14. We're coming up to it. Which is coming up, yep. Yeah, but um, there is a balance to how much you explain. So if you've got a party of six people in a combat and somebody misses some you've got a barbarian rolling three attacks or a, a fighter with action surge crossbow expert gonna roll five attacks like you don't have to explain how each of those crossbow bolts misses it's okay to have you lose a barrage of bolts and two of them find purchase in the ogre's chest and the other three scatter across its armor and fly wide like that's a long description right. You wouldn't want to do that for six people every time. So it's it's right. totally okay to balance, you know, this round I'm going to give this player a description. This round I'll give it to that player. Other players, well, you we, miss, and that's okay. We we had narrating combat as a, as a, a season two topic. Yes, that, we'll definitely talk about that one more. Yeah, yeah. Um, episode 13. Well, Oops, sorry. No, I was going to say episode 13, right? Tank, healer, 3 DPS, and you've the got your five man. <laughs> wiz, wiz, wizard, warrior, rogue. Um, yep. We talked about the sacred trinity, the wizard, warrior, rogue, your, your tank, yep. DPS, healer, or kind of. Um, we kind talked of. about standard party comps, like you were talking about there, your tank, your three kinds of DPS, and your healer. Um, a lot of composition stuff comes from video game lingo. Uh, so if you've played World of Warcraft or any other uh, MMORPG, then you're probably familiar with a standard RPG party comp. Um, yep. And if you're familiar with Appendix N, none of that makes sense. Which is good, because I really encourage... So my takeaway from this is it's a really good idea to have that framework, and if you're a first-time DM with a first-time group, encouraging some of that is is a you don't want to play if you're a first-time dm and a first-time group of people who've never played you probably don't want four rogues you totally can but you probably yep. don't um, nine bards and a sorcerer nine bards and a sorcerer first-time dm <laughs> ten people good luck nope. yeah that's awful um, that would be terrible i mean i shouldn't say it would be terrible it'd it would be, be very difficult. difficult it's challenging it'd be very yeah, we... difficult to 
to run that. We never talked about party like group size, I don't think, but well, I, I like I like three to six. Yep. Um yep. I've the most I five. have ever I have done twelve. I did twelve once. And it was a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh anyway, uh the takeaway from party composition is it's a good framework, but especially for five E, throw it out the window and play what everyone would have fun with. Um and like you said, if you're an appendix N reader, like I I don't know. I've been reading the Fafford and the Grey Mousers, so that's like a barbarian and a rogue, and it's perfect. Barbarian and a rogue, no healer, and the and the rogue has like a, a level in magic user. It's like the magic initiate feat, or like one right. warlock level, maybe, but maybe, but not not huge, right? And Fafford might have one level in bard, right? or or one in warlock also, but. But it's but they're not they are not right. That's not a party comp. <laughs> like, no, it's it's two dudes. And they do. And you guys I, the one where they climb the mountain. Which which mountain? Um, the one in the frozen north, and they meet the invisible girls. Um, no, not yet. They did the the ocean girls. Okay. Where they were at the bottom of the. The bottom of the ocean. Yep. 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 On the Sea King's Day. Yeah, those are super good. Um, that one's several episodes away, though. We'll get there. Uh, we'll get episode there. 14 was improv skills. Touched about that. Um, yes, and. Yes, and. and. Hey, my, my my character wants to do this. Yes, and. And then making sure your consequences are logical and connected to your narrative. Yep. Right. As and best as you can. You know, that's that's the challenge, right? right? That's the reason. skill that you grow. I mean, it, it's if you look at literature appendix n or or you know i mean or, or any of the other source material their stories right willow if you look at willow i gotta watch that tonight because i love willow um there's stuff that happens in there that probably isn't 100 percent correct according to the laws of physics right um, absolutely alien there's a bunch of stuff that happens in alien that isn't Suspension of disbelief. Right. So when you're watching fiction or you're reading fiction, there's a suspension of disbelief. So um, when I say make sure that your consequences, I guess I want to use the word plausible. Make sure that they're plausible for the narrative that you're that you're telling. Anything yes. else for improv? Um, uh, just balance, then we did one, balance how much my, and when you use it. Yep. Um, We've touched on that already, but there is a degree to which you want to explain things and to which you don't. And uh, a common DM thing is how do I get my players to, to roleplay more? Uh, roleplay at them. If you're a shopkeeper, be the shopkeeper. Hello there, children. What can I do for you this fine day? And tell them, like, all right, you're in character. Here you are. What do you want to say? You know, um, the, the best I, way to I... inspire improv is to be improv. This picture that the magister made me draw, it's my long-lost daughter. I have not seen her for three years, and I think <laughs> I think she's dead. My goodness, right? my... Yeah, it's exactly, right? Ooh. I don't know. Oh my know. gosh, my strong, right. It makes me uh, want to jump right in. Yep. Um, and help and... this poor old guy who's missing his daughter. Speaking of the poor old guy missing his daughter, episode 15 was a deep dive into 7C. 
Uh, one of my favorite episodes because that is my in that I after 35 years I can say this without equivocation 7th C second edition my absolute favorite role play game system of all time not RuneQuest Glorantha not no no ooh okay no. all right here we go I folks. you heard I it here I like RuneQuest Glorantha but there is just something magical for me when I play 7th C whether and it's not the... DCC I'm gonna tell Goodman Games that oh god Yes, I am. I love DCC. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I I love DCC, but there is just something magical about a good 7th C session that is just so... I It's like watching Willow for the first time or watching The Princess Bride with a bunch of friends who can quote the movie. Like it's... Oh, man. There's something about that playing that game that is special and and fun and frivolous. Like um, I know when your group started, there was this really like, well, do I have a sword? It's like you're a pirate. Yes, you have a sword. Yeah. But, but I didn't say that I had a sword. It's like I don't care. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, you're very. You're, it's very lax. You're, you're, it's different. You're, you're in. It's different. It's very different, and it's very fun and. And John Wick is right. You chuck a handful of dice, you, you know, grab the chandelier, swing across the room, punch the bad guy in the face, kiss the uh, person in distress, and make off with a sack of gold. And and that and that's the whole scene. And you made one roll. It all happens. It's fun and it's fast. And yeah, so and roll credit, please. <laughs> Episode 15, listen to it, and then go buy the 7th C Core rulebook from Chaosium. It's pretty good. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> Chaosium, it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> episode 16 was NPCs, non-player characters. Non-player uh, how yeah. do you how do you make compelling people in your world? Um, give them, uh, a, give, really simply, give them a name, give them where they live, Give them something that they do, something they like or a goal, or something they're afraid of or a trauma or a part of their history. Uh, so yeah. like a give, good thing, a negative thing, a name, and a job. Yeah, and that a little bit of depth goes a long way. Oh, yeah, because you'll build them. And we, we, we called back to the improv skills episode during episode 16, but you'll build that character. If your players, the thing is, as a DM, you're going to write, whatever you're going to write. And if you're like me and are a home brewer, you write way more than you need. If you give your NPCs that little bit of meat to their bones, it gives you just enough to interact with the party. And if they like that NPC and they end up coming back and interacting with them more, you'll build them up naturally with that conversation with your party. So you don't have to worry yes. about fleshing them out entirely at the beginning. Um, like like little Luigi Mondavi. Yep, and it's okay to do throwaway NPCs. Like if if peep if you you know your party walks into a bar, at the end of the episode they kill the dragon on the mountaintop, they hike down the mountain, they walk into the bar, they check in to get rooms, and one of your party member one of the players at the table asks, well what's the innkeeper's name? It's okay to have it be well okay. It's it's Bob, you know. 
It's okay to do throwaway yeah. names in the moments that you need to. Uh, yeah, because they they are probably not going to connect with Bob. No, probably right. not. Just and even just like if they in the do, real world, then he becomes a meme. A, right, he becomes a thing. But th- think about in the real world, if you've stayed at a hotel, how many of those people at the front desk checking you in did you form a lasting relationship with? Zero. Uh, two. They've got and, name uh, tags, but right. And I and I think I. I remember, gosh, what the hell's her name? See, you don't even. Katie. Katie, huh? Katie, because I travel for work all summer and stay in one hotel for months. So yeah. I remember Katie. All I've right. been traveling traveling for work for a decade. I remember one of those people. Yeah. So, so don't stress. Your, yeah, your players, your, your character, the characters wouldn't want to form a lasting relationship with Bob at the spoiled sisters tavern. Yep. Um casual conversation number one. I'm having a real hard time remembering what we talked about. Uh episode seventeen. Yeah. Um we so so this was one we we talked about so the next episode, episode eighteen, is is big bad evil guys, which we yep. introduced in the last episode when we talked about NPCs. So we were going to do Big Bad Evil Guys, but we ended up just talking about um, just talking about whatever. We talked a lot about 7C, and um, we, we, we did this because at the end of the NPC episode, I think, we were just talking, and we were like, well, why don't we just do a show where we just do this post-show chat um, and just For a show. talk about yeah. whatever. So... We talked about 7C. Uh, I've got the notes here. So we, we talked about 5E's sort of catch-all problem. Um, uh, I've got a... The notes are really bad. So if you want to know what hashtag secret parking spot is, go listen to episode 17, because even I don't remember that. Um, <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> and uh, we recommended games to people. We talked about Alien, DCC, 7C, Vampire, Ten Candles, and Paranoia. So, oh, um, nice. Okay. Yeah, big, big sort of mishmash so episode. Kind of a big little... system. Yeah. A lot of yeah. good stuff, cool. I think. I, I enjoyed those. I think the casual conversation episodes are some of some of our best stuff. I think when we finally, finally run out of topic episodes, we'll just start giving them fun names based on the conversation, but it'll just be pretty casual. Yeah. Um, 18 was the the big bad evil guys if you want to write a boss or uh, an end of campaign encounter or person uh, go there basically or a villain a high power villain in 7c yep it could be a, a villain a boss it could be a person a place a thing um, it doesn't even have to be those it could be a storm or a, a, a goal that you have to reach um we we talked a lot about you know how do you set that end goal and resolve it for the group and how do you write that as the DM. Um, I think yeah I don't, I don't know that's definitely one to to go back and listen to if you are working yeah. on that. Um, my big takeaway is it doesn't have to be a guy you know it could be a fight it could be an exploration a trap uh, a piece of the Numenera. Um, you know, your your end thing could be anything, really. So that's yeah. a, a good one. 
I that 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 was a good one. I liked that one. Um, episode nineteen, the five minute work day. Um, My least favorite thing about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, so this was pretty five E specific because it is a a system issue. Uh, in short, the five minute work day is your party having uh, a long they long rested uh, at the end of last week's session. And so now they're starting fresh. They're going to hike an hour out of town into the mountains to get to the, the dungeon. They're going to hike, you know, five, ten minutes into the cave before they fight a couple of, of Nothics or, um, or any Goblins sort of other... Goblins or, or any, or any cave-dwelling creature. Pick your monster. Bugbears, yep. hobgoblins. Uh, and then they say, okay, well, we're going to take a rest. And they... It's gonna... Wow, we used all our spells. It's going to be a long rest. It's like, it's 10 a.m., fellas. No. No, you're not. Um, so we talk about why that is a... How it can be a problem. How you can solve that problem as a DM. Because I, I remember near the end of that, you were swayed just a little bit about having some better ways to deal with it than you had had in the past. Because I... I kibosh that a lot in my group. Like, nope, you like, it's 10 a.m., you're not tired, you can't do a long rest, and uh, you just wandered into a cave where you just fought some things, there's fresh blood and smells, like, you, you can't guarantee this place is safe, you can't even take a short rest. Um, so, definitely good ways to deal with that sort of behavior if your party is uh, nervous about resources. We also have some good conversation in there about resource management and how you can inspire your party to make use of those spell slots. So if you have a party that's, um, that is the five-minute workday, right? They go in, they blow all their stuff, they want to rest. The opposite of that we talk about a little bit where you have a party that doesn't and that saves their stuff but still wants the rest just to make themselves feel a little better. Um, how you can encourage your party to, to know when the rests are coming, how you can write some good story there. Um, all good stuff to be mindful of to prevent the five-minute workday, quote-unquote, problem. Right. Next up is episode 20, where we talk about Appendix N and inspiration. Uh, and I appendix had... N is the appendix out of the Dungeon Master's Guide that Gary Gygax used to create Dungeons & Dragons. So it's all the... Um, I'm... Fritz Lieber, J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, C.S. Lewis, Kona E. Robert E. Howard, um, John Carter of Mars, which is Edgar Rice Burroughs, all that kind of oh, yep. fantasy and sci-fi and science fantasy fiction that predates Dungeons and Dragons, right? That's if, and, and I think we talked a lot about this in the episode, um, like, Anything written before 1974 was written by an author who had no concept of Dungeons and Dragons, the game. And Which is crazy written... for me to think about. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I I read a lot of it, and and um, well, you can read it and and see parallels to D and D, but it's it's different than reading R. A. Salvatore, which are books set in Faerun using the Dungeons and Dragons races and classes and and mechanics. Um, 
So it's just it's just different. And and there's some authors that are still like I would I would categorize Mercedes Lackey as an appendix N author for the romantic fantasy genre. Because her books, even though they were published after 1974, are different than Dungeons and Dragons tropes, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know her stuff, so I will take your word on it. I have I have one you should probably borrow. It's really good. I um, I may. We we did that episode that at that time because I was I had just started the Fritz Lieber Fafford and the Great I, Master books. I had finally taught I I I finally talked you into reading them by buying them and sending them to you. Yes. So <laughs> Um, and we talked about I inspiration. You into it. Um, yeah, we did talk about inspiration. And, you know, where you draw inspiration as a DM and how you can use that. And, you know, like, are you really stealing stuff? Like, how much how much can you really take? Um, and, and where good sources to get that inspiration are. Um, that's a really good one. I like that episode. I like that episode, too. I like all lot. of them, but I'm super biased because I make the show. <laughs> Yeah, no. There's uh, there's some I, I really enjoyed the seventh C deep dive and I really liked the Appendix N yeah, discussion. Appendix N was was quite good. Um Episode twenty one was our second casual conversation. Uh, I'm gonna have to throw up the notes here so I I don't remember what we talked about there uh either. Um but that was another one where we were like, Well, we have a bunch of different little things that we wanna chat about, but it doesn't all fit <clears throat> into one topic. Right. Let's see. We talked <clears throat> more about Fafford and the Grey Mouser. We talked about uh, scheduling challenges, so how you can try to schedule with folks. Um, scheduling is one of, one of the... Well, it used to be... I think it used to be a little harder, uh, you know, in a pre-COVID world, I guess, because nowadays... You know, if everyone's home on a Saturday night, you just play some D and D online. Yeah, hop in, hop into Roll Twenty and Discord and go to the races. Yep. Yep. Um, we talked more about Seventh C. I talked about Baldur's Gate Three a little bit because I was playing some of that, which, uh, if you don't know, is a a PC game that is heavily based off of D and D Fifth Edition. Um, <clears throat> a lot of mechanics and things that work really well and similarly to 5e in there uh i mentioned a couple of tools that we had for um for for dms either uh for dungeon making or uh character creation other things like that so those casual conversation episodes are, are a good good casual listen um Episode 22 was our second guest, uh, another one of my friends, James Kiernan. Um, that was the bard episode. Yes, we talked lots about bards. Um, he got to talk about Connie a whole bunch, which I know he enjoys. And uh, you talked about Dol Rea, who we had heard about uh, a handful of times in the past. Yep. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. That one was pretty good. I don't, I don't love bards. Um, but if you are interested in, uh, I well, think... I think by the end of that episode, we had, we had, you could see why people would enjoy playing 
playing them. Yeah, definitely. I I had better insight for sure, and I think it it I think it is geared a little bit more towards players who might want to play as a bard for inspiration as to how to interpret some of their backstory. Um, I think that's the sort of the big takeaway from that episode. Well, they're 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 a really good support class. I mean, that's and that's one of the things we said during that episode was the. If, if you are like, wow, I kind of like to be a rogue. I kind of like to be a fighter. I wish I had some magic. Like, I don't really know what to pick. The bard has a little bit of something for everybody. Yeah. Yep. Um, episode 23, we talked about evil characters. You had talked about Dolrea. Yeah. I had talked about uh, my paladin, Osiric. Um, we needed to talk about evil. Uh, and the big takeaways there are evil doesn't mean stupid. Uh, if you're a new DM, you probably don't want to allow it. And if you're a player trying to play an evil character, really consider why you're evil and make sure that the other players at the table are willing to accept the things that have twisted you to be that way and give credence to your backstory so that you can experience your evil in a way that isn't just chaotic stupid. Right. You had a lot of really good stuff to say about that one, too, because you played Dolrea for such a long time. And you've played evil characters in predominantly good groups, too. So um, if you I have. And... Yeah, if, and if you I mean, want to play an evil character in a good group, Jack's the guy to listen to. It's it's just, it's fun. Um, because you can be that... I mean, my, my party used the hell out of me. That was, you know, it's like, oh, here's this morally questionable thing... You know, it'd be really, if we could torture this guy, he would answer our questions. It's like, oh, we can't torture him. And then here I am. It's like, uh -huh. maybe, maybe you, Iblith, can't. Sorry, I cursed. I, I apologize. Um, but I would curse at my, at my party members. You know, maybe you surface people can't, but I'm a drow. Why don't you take a walk and I'll see if I can find your answers while you're gone. Right. And they were like, you know we're not actually torturing this guy and he did try to just kill us so leaving him with the drow maybe that's punishment for trying to kill us mm. and they would walk away <laughs> and and sir sir Zavir would get the answers um maybe the captive was alive when they came back maybe not um you know, uh, my evil characters would rarely do blatantly vicious evil things in front of the other party members. Right. Part of that was for, you know, I don't want them to be, I didn't want them to be uncomfortable. My, my character didn't want to make the other party members uncomfortable because when the town guard shows up, who do they throw under the bus? Oh, take the evil guy. Right. right. Like, we didn't do any of this stuff. It's him. Take him away. Um, but at the same time, um, they were comfortable using my talents and my, my moral ambiguity, uh, to advance their ends. Yeah. So you just have to have that party that's willing to work with you. Yeah. Or, or if you're yeah. playing that evil character, you have to be willing to sort of work with the party in that way and, and take that back seat. Yes. Yep. And, and there are sometimes when, you have to say, you know, no, I would love to go all, you know, 
Klaus Michelson from the originals and kill you all. But I'm not going to do that today because I might need you later on. Or, yeah. you know, I, I just changed, I just cleaned this scale mail. And you know how hard it is to get blood out of scale mail? Mm-hmm. Like, no, I'm pain. not, I'm not doing that today. Um, we talked but, more and, about it in the alignment episode. Uh, yes. Yeah. But, and we did talk about it in a couple of different episodes um, and where my one of my chaotic my, my drow cavalier, Quandor, Sir Quandor Zavir, um, in the middle of Tomb of Annihilation totally threw the DM oh, yeah. a massive curveball. Um, and that, that was that was it's beautiful. My, my DM handled it amazing. The party had a good time. We're we're at that part in Tomb of Annihilation where we've been asked to stop the drugs from coming into Port Naranzaru, and we've got our little frog person guide, and they lead us out to where the Yuan-Ti are making other frog people sweat, collecting their sweat, turning it, yeah, Kuotoa, turning Kuotoa sweat into wanderlust. And so what does my chaotic evil drow cavalier do? He uses his 19 charisma, wanders into the camp, finds the lead Yuan T, seduces her with a natural 20, which turned into like a 25 with the bonuses, um, and said, You know what? I'm your new distributor, and I'm going to get you three times as much money by selling your, your drugs in the Underdark through my aunt, who's a matron mother, and we have a date next week. Nice. And oh, here's <laughs> here's here's this Ku, this Kuatoa guard, turn him into drugs, and and the party's like, whoa, wait a minute, and and so we had a we had an out of character moment. I said, okay, guys, this is what my character would do. Okay, yeah, out of character. Let's think about this. There's four of us. There's thirty five yuan t plus the slaves. If they make the slaves fight us, right, we could get mobbed and killed. Do you want to be mobbed and killed and maybe come out of this alive and and achieve our objective? Or are you willing to give me this one? I'll get in good with my matron mother aunt. The drugs won't be going to Port Naranzaru, right? Problem solved. (laughs) It's just the way we solve this problem is not the way it's written in the in the script but that's okay but that's okay and my dm said yep fine however comma the kuatoa they're not going to guide you on the other part of the module and it's like yeah i'm good with that rest of the consequence and the rest of the party's like well yeah because again we don't know if we can win this fight yeah (laughs) it's like okay you yeah, know, I'm no, not sure good, good story. Is... You've definitely definitely come up a couple times. If you haven't heard that one, there you go. Yeah, and and I'm trying to think. I haven't read that module. I might have to go pick it up and read it um, to see what the what that's supposed to be. Like if the party is supposed to like free the slaves in the middle of the night and try to run away with them. Because if you're oh, a sure. party of three to five, going against that drug, that narco trafficking camp is pretty much suicide hmm. well there's gotta you know, be I'm a way sure. to do it and and that's that's uh, like 
I'm trying to think of what is the way, like a running, a, a fighting retreat through the jungle. Do you go find dinosaurs close by and run them through the camp? Like, I, I don't know how that's supposed to go, but no. I know how I solved it, and it was fabulous. Uh, very nice. Episode 24 was uh, Deific Involvement and Divine Intervention. Uh, hey, that, that was really familiar. Did we just do that last show? Yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> we, we talked about how much you want to involve deities in your story and uh or not or not and it's we didn't talk we talked very very briefly on the actual ability called divine intervention but that's not what most of the episode was about so uh, don't be swayed by that if you aren't sure how to handle deities and that was sort of the first episode where we were like well this one you might want to just wait and see what your character players player characters backstories are and how they behave in the world because if you've got a cleric but they never pray or do anything you don't have to worry about it but if you've right. got a druid who's really into your your god of earth equivalent then maybe you want to pay a little attention to that so um, go check out that last episode yep. which brings us to date that's yep. that's to one this that's one year one year of set the table summarized in an hour and a half that's pretty good. It's um, it's something. It's I don't know. It is. It is very good. It's impressive. It's cool. It's a cool feeling. Um, I don't want to go too much longer, because okay. uh, it's it's kind of a I don't know. It's kind of a long show to listen to. Um, good recap there of our first year. But I do want to have a a little bit of reflection for us. Um. And, and talk about, you know, high points for the year, low points for the year, hopes for next year, um, either for, you know, the show or for, uh, you know, your TTRPGs, your tabletop roleplay games at home. Um, I, I, I think I've been, I've, I've been kind of color commentating my best shows throughout this show. Yeah, I, that's, I, that's not a surprise to anybody. I put hardest moments at the top. Because I didn't know if we wanted to do the bad stuff first. You know, I I don't think I've a good had stuff. a bad show. Um, we've had a couple of shows where I've had audiovisual internet troubles. Sure. Well, um, it's you know for the show or for your games, right? So we, yeah, no. I'm I'm yeah, thinking so that's... for the show. You know, the the hardest part was getting started. I think you know those first couple episodes just have. Uh, some audio stuff, but otherwise it's been good. But I'm I mean like, in in our games, um, my hardest moments this year have been, um, I guess I've got two right. I, so, uh, player and player character switching, um, which is mm -hmm. uh, a future episode that we'll we'll do. Um, but having both players and characters coming in and out of the story. Um, can be a, a little bit jarring, and um, I definitely was not equipped. I didn't handle that the way that I should have, uh, and I should have done session zeros whenever somebody joined. Um, and and so I, I definitely that was sort of one of my one of my big lessons learned was whenever you have a player switch, uh, do a session zero. You know, bring them in, bring everybody, do a half an hour, make sure that everybody gels. Uh, and then, then plan your, you know, your three-hour session. Um, so, my, so for me, my hardest moment 
this this year uh, is when we transitioned from 5e to 7th C, we lost a player. And I thought she would have really enjoyed 7th C. Mm. Um, I don't think she enjoyed 5e as much as she could have. She picked a really tough... Uh, um, so, so I was playing a Smurf Neblin who loves living with drow and, and a half-elf shows up who's uh, a juvenile half-elf druid with lots of power and some mental, really well role-played uh, mental challenges. Hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm so excited that this person's going to come with us to 7C and life you know, found a way to intervene uh, and she did not join us. So that was the hardest moment for me. I was really looking forward to having the whole group uh, and we lost one. Bummer. I've been trying to get my group to, to try DCC because I think they would enjoy it, but they are still resistant. We'll see if I can get them to in the next year. Um, I think my, I had one other, I've had one other sort of hard moment throughout the year is dealing with, uh, players that have, uh, misplaced frustrations, I think. So when things in the game don't necessarily go their way or, uh, there's some rules conflict that, you know, it's really the person against the rule book, but the person interprets it as, you know, person versus person or player versus DM, um, and it creates some contention. But uh, definitely something to to learn from, um, and part of part of that could have been assuaged by my my failure to do session zeros or or other sort of uh, proactive DM stuff. So, uh, yeah, lessons learned. Um, I, oh, best you skip best moments. Oh, well, yeah, I, I already did best moments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I was gonna try to try to string them together in a way that made sense. Uh, I okay. I learned to do session zeros uh, when you have a player joining, um, and that that helps. That solves a lot of potential problems that you might have later on that consume lots of emotional energy. Any lessons that you learned this year? Um, I don't know. Are you still learning things? I am like 30 still years learning into DMing, stuff. 35, yeah, I, whatever Yeah, but it it's, is. it's all like stupid stuff. Like, oh, I could do that as a bard. Or, oh, I didn't know a sorcerer could do this. Like, it's all like the, the I think, I think as you get older, you stop learning big lessons and you start really appreciating smaller lessons that's a good lesson so so i don't have i don't have this like oh yeah i had this epiphany that i should i should stop playing this type of character or i should play this character more i just there's a lot of like little little nitpicky things that i've picked up over the year but nothing really leaps out to mind but that's really good you know like at some point it's not going to be leaps and strides it's going to be small little bits of experience that you get here and there and those things add up to the plethora of experience that you have it could it could be that i'm just i need so many experience points to get to level 54 yeah that you know it's, <laughs> it's, 
I have to string these things together or else I'm not going to level up. It is. It's totally worth, like, uh, yeah. best moments from the year. Um, so I talked about the show already, but best moments from the role play would be uh, when I terrified a hill giant. My my three-foot-tall, 447-pound Smurf Neblin made a hill giant wet himself. Huh. Um in, in an adventure because she told a story and I totally did this off the cuff um, and it became canon in our in our adventure um, but so my uh, Swiss Laundra wears these Dalrea, yeah Swiss Laundra is my <laughs> World of Warcraft mage uh, Dalrea wears these thigh high brown skin high heeled boots and she got them because a male guard sassed her in front of the house torturer. And the house torturer took the male to the dungeons, flayed him off alive, and had boots made for Dalrea. And I made this story up just on the... My party is like, oh my god, that's terrifying. <laughs> so... She's using her her level three ability, right? Uh, first terror, uh, and she's saying to the giant, "Like you think you're a big man, you think you're gonna step on me? I'll come here, I'll put you to sleep, and I'll flay your palms and take your skin off your hands and turn them into slippers." And and that's when he wet himself, um, and then just basically cried in the corner instead of guarding the door he was supposed to be guarding for the rest of the party nice i i remember that that was, is a good moment and and that was that was a really good moment nice yeah. um my best moments were uh i really really enjoyed the i put together a, a nice little scripted scene at the beginning of the climax fight um, one of my players used a, a set of prayer beads that was basically a wish spell. Um, and in response to the wish, I had this brilliant scene written out um, that I uh, I got a little emotional writing because it was the, um, the spirit of this guy who died protecting his wife and kid um, had been tormented by uh, demonic possession for millennia and was finally freed um, and it was just this touching really nice bit of, of RP that I wrote that I really really liked um, and that, that whole fight was a, a really big lesson uh, and a best moment kind of because I it was I don't remember what the total count was. It was something like 60 enemies and um, the party that I had an extra guy come in. So it was a party of uh, six PCs plus uh, 15 like helper NPCs. So it was just a lot of moving parts. Um, and there were, were definitely some difficulties with it. But all things considered, I think I ran it pretty well. Um, and I'm pretty proud of myself for that. Uh, and the show. That's pretty, that's pretty funny. What? My, my best moment is uh, this horrific torture. 
and your best moment is this beautiful like spiritual redemption <laughs> yeah well you know class... no wonder i play evil characters <laughs> but that's been you and me since the beginning right that's pokemon yeah. sapphire and ruby diamond and pearl black and white like we've we've always sort of yin yanged that a little bit for each other yes yep um, drow cavalier human paladin human paladin yep absolutely yeah. so what are your um, hopes for next year for roleplay games so I I really want my party to try DCC, um, and maybe Seven C if I can swing it, but we'll see. Probably not. Probably won't get to that. I'll be lucky if I can get DCC out of them. Um, and I'd like to. So I've been I've been playing with uh, part of this group. One guy's been here since the beginning. Um, Callie, my girlfriend, has been here since you know four or five months in. Um, but we hit two years back in July, so I've been running this for two and a half years. Um, player characters are level 10. Uh, they are, spoiler alert, they're poised to strike 11 soon, um, probably at the end of this dungeon that they're in now. Uh, but I think I'm going to play with this group up to about level 15, which might put us another six months but i'm hoping then by that three-year mark that we can sort of retire these characters and start a fresh game because um, as much as i love all of the character development and all the sweet items that i've made and all the cool stuff that they're going to do in the next couple of months i'm really ready for a nice level one fresh start I nice. really li I really like DMing level one, and maybe maybe that should be a, uh, you know, what level do you DM for? Could be a could be a topic, but yeah, yeah. I would love to get some DCC in. Uh, I would love to get some Traveler Fifth Edition in. Um, we had talked about a Werewolf the Apocalypse game, so I'm hoping that werewolf gets a reboot like the 5e uh vampire 5e reboot um traveler runequest glorantha i would love to play runequest glorantha this year so um i don't know if it's going to happen uh i am scheduled to play invisible sun from monty cook games uh so after my, my seventh c um modules are done uh, we're gonna another person in the group is gonna run Invisible Sun, which sounds amazing. Hmm. Okay, cool. So, so yeah, I I want to play lots of stuff. None of it's five E. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay though. Um, and then I I don't know. Do you have any Do you have any hopes for the show for next year? Any closing thoughts? I mean, I I mentioned I... Uh, wanting to do off. Off week shows like little mini clips with my party to, just to try to get a little bit more content out there and to spend a little more time on D and D during the week. But um, otherwise, I mean, we've got a massive list of of potential future shows. If we do twenty five a year, we've got another year and a half worth of show topics. So yeah, no, I I just my my hope is that we just keep going. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's, that's, that leads me into my closing thoughts. I don't 
don't know if you still have hopes for the show. No, that's I'm we're there. Yeah. So no, I want to thank you. Like, um, so the listeners know, right. I'm, I'm dad and you're my son and it's really, it's been very, very nice to have this time to spend with you every couple of weeks. Um, and it's also nice that you would include me in something like this granted, given that I'm, you know, a crunchy old fart. Uh, (laughs) So I, I really, I really thank you very much for including me um in in this endeavor and it's been it's been an amazing amazing year and thank you very much yeah definitely um i mean thank you obviously right i uh needed somebody to do this with um and despite you being you know whatever older uh with that comes all of the wisdom and experience that i don't have um I'm also pretty five e oriented because that's what my group plays. So you bring a lot of uh, growth to the show uh, and to me as a, a DM, a GM, uh, a gamer overall. So um, yeah, I don't know where you got that five e bias because we played so many things that were not Dungeons and Dragons. It, it was just <laughs> like I, the first the first one that I played with my friends was D and D three point five was the game that James's right. dad ran for a couple of us back right. in like fourth grade. So, it, it in terms of like what was I gonna play with my friends, D and D was sort of the the way to go. Although, yeah, one of my hopes is to try to sway them a little bit in the same way that you've swayed me this year. So if it took me you a year to sway me. Maybe, just maybe, I can sway them over the next year. Yeah. Um, wow. So that's, yeah, there we go. Uh, one year of Set the Table wrapped up in a nice, tidy package just in time for Christmas. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, thank you to the listeners. If you have listened at all, I know a couple of my friends and family have. Um, I, we've got... Uh, a handful of views on the YouTube after the first episode uh, with a, a quick taper after that. So um, if you have listened to any of the episodes up to this point, thank you a whole lot. Um, you guys are kind of the inspiration for why we do this. We could just talk to ourselves, but instead I insist on recording it and editing it and putting it up places so you can listen to it. So uh, thank you for your time. If you want to chime in, ask a question, do any of that, the best way to get in touch is on Twitter, at JMSCOTA5 or at Red Hoodie Games. Um, if you want to, do, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to do a, a little a type up here of our Session Zero checklist um, and just put in, in words for everybody a little bit. Um, that is going to be freely available on redhoodygames5.wordpress.com in the next uh, two weeks. Um, if you want to uh, donate anything to the show, or if you want to check out any of the first year show notes, um, I think I'm going to publish all of them to the Patreon, so that if you are a patron, you can check out our notes and all of the stuff that we've jotted down, um, get a sneak peek at the list of potential future episodes uh, and any other notes and stuff that we've put in here but haven't talked about could be good stuff so if you feel like supporting us at all uh, doing anything more than just listening uh, head on over to patreon.com slash skoda that's s-k-o-d-a 
I will put the session zero checklist up on there as well, uh, as well as old show notes from this past year. Um, it's going to be pretty cool, and uh, it's going to be cool to see where we go next year. I don't know. I'm just excited. I'm rambling on now. Uh, it's the end of an era, and uh, so long season one. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Good day, eh? Good day. Ha, ha, ha.